podcast listeners. Welcome to this edition of Pregnancy Help Podcast. I have the great joy of welcoming Cynthia Miller um, from the Heart of Hope in Louisiana to join us. Uh, we are super grateful that you're with us, Cynthia. So uh, Cynthia and I were at the National Christian Housing Conference, and she delivered a workshop that got rave reviews, but I was not able to be there, and I suspect many of you were not able to be there, so we're hoping to pick her brain and share some of that content with the whole housing community. So, so welcome so much. We're super glad you're with us. Thank you. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit just about your program, quick context? Um, and then you told me as we were coming in that your title is counselor slash life coach. So maybe a little bit about your title and a little bit about your program. Sure. Uh, so uh, I am the life coach, which is a much kinder term than counselor uh, to really most people who don't want to think they have any kind of mental health issues, uh, even though we all do and we should all have a counselor. Uh, but I get to walk up beside our residents and uh, while they're here and even after they leave and uh, a life coach, you know, I walk beside them until they're done with me, uh, which I hope is never. <laughs> and, and just, you know, maybe talk them through stuff or maybe let them talk themselves through some stuff and help them make some wiser decisions. My main uh, job is to help them plan, plan for delivery and then plan for after delivery. Awesome. And I know you're working with younger moms typically in your program. Can you tell us just a little bit of the basics to give us a sense of um, Heart of Hope? Sure. So we serve age 11 to 24. And yes, we were one of the few that are serving minors because there's a whole plethora of issues that come with minors. And then you've got parents and guardians and courts and lots of things, but they need us. And uh, so you, you've got some issues there because they all have these incredible plans that really are not reality. And uh, the first thing I do is make sure that we have a plan that, that everybody that's in that plan knows about, and it's a valid, viable plan. Uh, we love our young mamas. They are young. You know, just, you, just every problem that a teenager has comes with them, too. And pregnancy is just one of the things, maybe the easiest thing we can deal with until baby is born. And we also offer some aftercare uh, some transitioning for both teenagers and our adult moms, uh, you know, try to walk beside them and help just give them a leg up so that they can be successful. I know you have a school on site too, which is kind of a unique dimension to your program. You want to say just a quick something about that? We have an amazing school program. We have two incredible teachers that just both happen to be named Barbara. That that causes a little <laughs> bit of confusion. And um, they are amazing. We can do anything. If our we have a, an 11-year-old, we can tap into school. You know, whatever school she was uh, enrolled in, typically we keep her enrolled in there and just complete what they're doing. We've had seniors who have been able to graduate uh, we have moms that need their GED. We work on that. And if they have a diploma or GED, we enroll them in our college. Uh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, you um, Heart of Hope has been very generous to the housing community in so many ways. And I, um, I know that you're definitely a, definitely a leader in so many ways. So we're, we're grateful that you're with us. When we were talking a bit about this podcast and trying to kind of dive into content, you came up with kind of this three-part structure. The first was exposing the lie, 
helping her to see the lie and then replacing that lie with truth. Can you walk us through kind of how that came about? Like, where did that framework come from for you? And then we'll dive into the different content. Sure. Uh, So I think one of the reasons that God has called me here to do this very thing is because first I was this very thing. So I will tell you that much of what what happens through me happened to me. Uh, So I was 14. Well, first I was trafficked. Um, My brother and I were trafficked together when I was seven. Uh, He was two years younger than me. And then I got pregnant at 14. No surprise. Had her at 15. I began to run away and try to find my own way. And my life was a complete mess. So uh, know that when the Lord finally got me to a place to surrender to him, I was 23. I was a complete wreck. I had two kids that were complete wrecks. And um, he delivered me from that. So I will tell you that that is why I do what I do, because Mm. God has created me for this. So when I say first, we have to expose the lie, our resident has to know that she is believing a lie before we can ever get in. For us to know she's believing a lie does not help her at all. She has to believe, she has to see it. And so exposing the lie is the first thing that I'm going to attempt to do in my time with a girl that not just a resident, any girl that comes into my sphere as I develop a relationship with her, I'm going to start trying to help her see the lies that she's believing. And so that that's kind of how all that started. Then I know that once we expose that lie, then we're going to, uh, what was my second point? I'm sorry. <laughs> help, help her to see the lie. Help well, her to see it. All in one. That's why I got <laughs> yeah. all that all at one time. And then of course it doesn't help her to do that. If you don't have the answer, So if you don't have some kind of truth that you can replace that lie with, then you're in trouble. So we know we do have the truth and getting them that far where they can actually believe there is a truth that can battle and fight and win over that lie. That's the big challenge. Yeah. Well, it gave me goosebumps to hear that that has was your own journey if the Lord really used that journey to now work and walk alongside other women. So spectacular. Thank you for sharing that. Our sponsor today is Option Line. The nation's only 24-7 pregnancy helpline, Option Line, connects women and men with pregnancy-related questions to life-affirming pregnancy help near them. They can even schedule appointments for centers, providing real-time assistance to women when they need it most. Our professionally trained consultants are equipped to handle the tough calls, even when centers' doors are closed. Through phone, text, email, and chat, OptionLine provides women with the immediate care they want and connects them with pregnancy help organizations for the long-lasting relationship they need to make healthy choices in their lives. Go to OptionLine.org to learn more. Let's dive into the kind of some of the lies that the moms believe. I mean, we, we some of those probably come to our minds immediately. But what do you see in your work with women are some of the lies that they're that they need to be exposed to? Things like I am not marriage material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you imagine that a yeah. creation of God would say I am not marriage material? So, so I had someone tell me that, and I said, "Really? Who told you that?" She said, "Everybody." Mm. I said, everybody. So let's start naming them. And so 
when we got our list, we had four people. But the reason that felt like everybody is because it was the four biggest influencers in her life. Sure. And yeah. truthfully, when we when we even got down into that, we realized they didn't actually say the words, you're not marriage material. What happened is they said words that were very similar to that. And then all of the relationships in her life up to the moment that she met me just backed that up. So she believed, based on all of that, that she was not marriage material. Yeah. Um, how about... But, um, they will never be worth anything. They'll never be more than they are now. Um, mm. They are unwanted. Nobody wants them. They're stupid. They're ugly. They're worthless. Um, all of that. They're broken. They're powerless. The only thing they ever had, they, the only thing they have of value is their sexuality. And those are the ones. Yeah, I think we can all resonate in in our experience of working with women that those those lies have a lot of power in their life when they come to us, and our deepest desire is to to help transform those, right? That mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. to help her to transform those. I know at the conference you brought all sorts of visuals um, to to um, explain kind of what the difference between the lie. I don't know if you can make any of that real for us kind of with those visuals, but, but that, that comes to mind. Okay. So uh, one of the first visuals that, that we did is I took out a piece of coal and I said, this is how our residents come to us. This is how our girls come to us. And, and as I moved that coal around in my hands, my hands got dirty. And I said, she is covered in soot. And it can even touch us. It can touch our other residents. It is ugly. There's so many things that come with this. And this is how we see her. But in order to get to the next step, in order to walk with her, to help her, to serve her, we can't see her as this because this isn't what the Lord says she is. So then in everybody's chair, I had a diamond. It was fake. Don't get excited. <laughs> because heart of hope is, uh, you know, we're on donations. So it was, <laughs> uh, so I, and I said, everybody has a diamond, pull out your diamond. I said, now this is what she is. This is what Jesus sees when she walks in your door. So we have to see her like that. She's not going to earn that. That's not what we're going to help her become. She already is that. We just have to get through this layer of soot and pull that out. So that was our part. And I love that visual. I just love it. Another visual, same concept. And and I I waited a little while to get to this visual. But I uh, have three suitcases and they're all inside each other. And I pull out two of them, the biggest one and the middle one. And the biggest one is covered with words from scripture that say, I am who he says I am. I am a saint, even though most people around me is going to disagree with that on any particular day. Right. But Jesus says, Cynthia, you are a saint. So I believe I'm a saint. I am redeemed. I am his friend. I am his child. It just covered in the truth. That of who I am. And that's who people see in me today. But do you know that our resident is that girl? 
that's our resident. That's what the Lord says about that girl. However, that's not how we see her. And I go to the, the middle suitcase and it is covered in words like adultery, sex, pornography, trafficking, prostitution, homosexuality, all the things that touch us before we become the Lord's when we're out there are the things that touch our girls before we see them. And it's covered in these words. And I say, this is how she walks through our door. So this is what we see with our eyes, but we cannot see our girl as this. We have to see her as the, the other suitcase and believe all the truth the Lord said about her. And so that's just, a, now I will further that there's a littler suitcase inside that suitcase. I call it the mini me suitcase. And once we've gone through that, um, you know, the exposing the lie and I gave them a couple of ways to do that. Um, I use what I call identity cards where I just have a whole bunch of words from homeless, numb, abandoned, to kind, redeemed, um, beautiful. And I go, I have them go through each card and they make two piles. One pile is how they see themselves. The other pile don't have anything to do with them. When they're done, I take the pile of cards that she identified with, and then I go through them with her. I do not ask her about all these words. That would be too much in a first session because we were just meeting each other. But this gives me some insight into the lies that she's believing. She doesn't know that, but I might pick one or two. Like I picked one that said ugly. And I said, why do you say that? Because I'm looking at you and know that ain't true. And she said, well, I know that the people that tell me the truth, they tell me that. Well, you know what? I said, I, I, okay, I, I accept that, but I don't know that I believe that. And then I move on. I don't make it a big deal. Now, next week when we get together, I'm going to have a whole list of truth cards that is scripture to battle every lie that she handed me. And we're going to go over those each section. We're just going to read them aloud. I believe the word of God pierces the darkness. And so they don't know we're doing battle. She has no idea that we are fighting for her, for the truth to overcome her lies. But that's what we're doing. So we do that. I have that's just one of the things that that I can do to, to expose the lie. Uh, and it works. It's really good. And then we have picture telling. That's another thing that we brought up. With picture telling, you have, say, four or five different pictures of strangers, and it can be any kind of picture, a girl crying, maybe a girl hunkering down like she's scared, anything, even a happy family. And you let your, your resident pick the picture, and you tell her, tell you a story about that. It is easy to tell made-up stories about fictional people. And so she will pick a picture and I promise you, she's going to give you some insight into the lies she's believing based on what she says about those strangers. So that's just another way to expose the lie. So when we get through kind of all that, I open up that middle suitcase that I was talking about and I pull out that mini suitcase and on that mini suitcase is covered with a lot of things that were on the middle suitcase, but some extra stuff like divorce, 
um, maybe incest, just some things that touched her that you cannot see, things that are so deep inside her that she might not even know some of those things. We have to get to that place in order for her to be able to say, you know what? I wasn't born this broken. I came from hard places. It may not even be, I tell them all the time, the stuff that's on this suitcase, that's not your fault. Every adult in your life helped that happen. That's nothing you have to repent for. And it just frees them up to say, you know what, maybe, maybe I wasn't born bad. And I love, man, when they get there, you're in. You are in and you get to now have some say into what they are thinking and what they're believing. It's very cool. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Is that process really happening just in the context of your office and your time with them? Or is there a way in which the whole staff is um, aware of that conversation? Is that? Yes. Um, yes. So we, we do have, I feel like sometimes most of what I do is plan meetings because I'm also in charge of that. And we have a lot of them. We all want to stay in the know. You know, we all want to be on the same page. <clears throat> and I will tell you that they can do all the things that I do. I don't do anything. We, this is a team effort for sure. And so we, we, uh, we all do what I'm saying. We have this incredible tool called band-aiding. Oh, my goodness, so much fun. I did talk about that as well at the conference. Band-aiding is fun. You can do band-aiding band in a group and include the staff or just do it in a staff meeting even. And that's where you have all kind of fun band-aids and you're going to get a band-aid and you're going to have a buddy and they're going to get a band-aid. And this is going to teach you how to give and receive care. Most of our girls have never done this. They've never given care and most of them haven't really received good care. And so you're going to say, you're going to ask two questions. You're going to say, where does it hurt? That's it. Where does it hurt? And I'll tell you, some of them will say, I ain't saying, and that's okay. Some of them will say, most of them are going to say my heart. And when you say, well, why does your heart hurt? They're going to say, I don't want to talk about it. And that's okay too. And then you ask the second question, where do you want me to put your Band-Aid? I have put Band-Aids on necks. I put Band-Aids on glasses. I put Band-Aids on all kinds of heads. It doesn't matter where they want it. What you're showing them is I care, I hear you, and here's a Band-Aid. But the awesome second part of that is now she has to do the same thing to me. And so she's going to ask me, where do you hurt? And I'm usually going to say something like, my back, girl, my back. And uh, then she's going to ask me, where can I put your Band-Aid? And so it's reciprocal. What That is such a great tool. All of the staff here know about that. And they yeah, that's, oh, that's a beautiful example, too. I love the giving and receiving <laughs> dimension of that. That's, that's really lovely. Do you find, though, I know for the most part, the staff, they want to see the women as the diamond, right? But sometimes right. the realities of, you know, living in the same house or not showing up as your best self or whatever, um, you know, you can you can uh, focus on the soot that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. How do you help, how do you help the staff kind of constantly return to the diamond view? Wow, 
<clears throat> so you're going to get hard in this interview. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that, is that not just even like when I was parenting, same thing, you know, like, sure. I, I, so I say this lovingly all the time. If it were not for people, ministry would be awesome. <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> right? But it's the people. And it is the people who make the ministry. So I would say, number one, we have to remember that we can't fix anybody. I can't fix a resident. I can't fix a staff. I can't even fix me. What I can do is surrender me and let God do the fixing. So um, I will say when you have hard, we, and you are, look, everybody has a bad day. And our girls come in having nothing but bad days for a while. Um, we, first of all, we can tag team. Remember that it's okay to say, I need a minute. And we have an amazing team that will give each other that, just a tag team. Um, we are constantly staying um, trained uh, in different things like TBRI. TBRI is an amazing tool. Um, it's trust-based inter trust intervention. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> It is so good that we do a training on that pretty regular just to keep focused that these our our clients come from such hard places that they we can't treat them like we would our own kids or even our own nephews or nieces. These they have to have a different kind of an of approach. And um, you know, where in your house if your child don't want to eat the dinner that you worked so hard for, instead they want to eat the leftovers from McDonald's that day, you can tell them, nope, you just going to go hungry. That's okay. You, you're teaching something there. But if you have one of our girls and they come in and they want to eat their leftovers, you need to be okay saying yes. Because that is not the battle you want to choose to fight here. You want to choose to fight a different battle here because they're going to be battling in how to talk to you with respect or maybe not stealing from their roommate, you know, big battles. So that the, the keeping yourself trained and fresh on how to respond to the kind of clients that we get, that, that demographic, that hurting demographic. To me, that is key. And for your whole staff to be trained, we all need to have a full understanding of what these girls have been through and what does that do to their development? What does that do to their psyche? What does that do to their... Um, I learned, one of the key things I learned in TBRI was I might get an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old girl here. But developmentally, if she comes from hard places, she is half that age. Well, that explained so much to me. I'm like, that makes perfect sense. And from then on, I have been able to accept her immaturity, not as um, defiance, but more as this place that we have to grow her from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. And sometimes I think, we see, I could see in myself, you know, that, that I believe my own lies, right. Too. I think oh, that yes. self-awareness of, we all come with our own soot too, that we're, that we're <laughs> trying to get cleaned off and know that we're redeemed, but have to change the, the message in our own heads as well. 
You are so right. You know, I uh, one of the things, another thing that we actually talked about is because these girls come with all of this or all of that and no middle middle type thinking, like you're going to get a girl that's so full of her feelings, that's the only way that she makes her decisions. That's the only way that she knows how to relate to you, to staff or to other residents through her feelings. So, so she's always fearful. Everybody hurts her feelings. You never know when you're going to trigger that thing, that reaction, right? She's unreasonable when she gets upset. Then you're, or you can get this other girl. This girl, she's all about the logic. She's totally about the thinking. Um, everything is absolutely right or everything is absolutely wrong. You know that girl. She's the one who says, uh, okay, those rules are good rules. They just don't apply to me, mm-hmm. right? She's very opinionated. She will let you know why they don't apply to her. And she has all the information she needs to back up that opinion. If you could get that feeling mind and that thinking mind into a place where they have to think, they have to meet a little bit in the middle, that mind is actually called a wise mind. And that Mm -hmm. mind is insightful. You can start, they, they realize the lie. They, they're like, oh my goodness, I see where that lie comes from. They become truth focused. So you're able to share, well, here's what the Lord said about you. And then they can kind of understand it and be more objective and reflective. And um, that is kind of where we as a team work for the girls that come in here. Yeah, no, that's a great segue. So, so starting to think about how to actually replace those lies. So you've kind of had her, helped her see them, but now the work of trying to replace them with something else. I hear you saying that the the staff has to come from their own wise mind place. But um, mm-hmm. how do you how do you help the women start to kind of see and replace those lies that they believe? That is such a good question. So really the heart of all, all of what we all want to do, right? That's we do, really we do this with ourselves and staff in every meeting. You know, you want to expose any lie that that you're believing too, and none of us are beyond being deceived. So, but Jesus, right? Um, but I would say there's a couple of tools in our toolbox to do that. One is um, is open ended questions. When a girl's at the place where she's just either one of those minds, really either emotional or thinking, when she's just kind of vomiting out how she feels maybe about herself, her roommate, her staff, her, the rules, whatever, I'm going to just ask her questions back about those very things, but they're not yes or no questions. I'm going to rephrase kind of what she's saying to me so that she has to hear herself say those things. Um like, uh, like I can give you an example. If, uh, if a girl says to me, um, if she in any way lets me know that she's a bad girl, she's just bad. I'm going to ask her why she says that. Chances are good. She's going to say, everybody tells me that. Well, when we break down everybody, it's usually only going to be a few people, but it'd be the, the very core people in her life. And so I will ask her, okay, so, and then why, why did they say that about her? Well, because she did some things that were bad, right? So, so because I'm just rephrasing what she's telling me, like, okay, so they said you were bad because you did this bad thing. Mm-hmm, okay. So, so are you bad or did you do bad things? 
And and by the time she's answered her own questions and she's heard her own self speak, she's like, uh, well, there are things I did. I'm like, so it's possible that you're not bad. And by the end of that, we are at the place where she can she's thinking and she's going to leave my office thinking, you know what? I might not be so bad after all. So so that's just one way that we can, uh, you know, get in there and and just help her come to that. What, they have to come to the point where they can believe that they might not be right about those things so that you can say, well, do you think that you might be anything else? Like, okay, so you you believe that you were bad for all of your life. Is it possible that you can be something else? And I will tell you, they want so desperately to be something else, they will receive that. Yeah, that's a great example. Do you have other ways in which um, kind of trying to kind of build up another identity in the women? Um, well, through probably, see, they seem like just regular things to me, but... Um, <laughs> Letting them do things that you know they'll be successful at. You know, yeah. if you have a girl that we have a girl that is an amazing artist. She she could paint so good. Um, but no one had ever picked up on that. But she just began to paint some stuff that we began to put all over our house. They were just yeah. so beautiful. We would take pictures and post them on our Facebook page and look, that girl began to believe she might have some talent, right? So uh, just doing those kind of things, um, just getting them quiet with their thoughts, journaling, journaling is so huge and just letting them write out what they're thinking so that when they get with you, you can have them, um, if they have to write something that they don't have to share with you, but they have to write something they do share with you. And, and when you say it out loud, they're like, oh, that, that don't sound very good. And I'll just say, do you believe that about yourself or is that just some thoughts you have? And, you know, they really don't want to believe that they have no future. They don't want to believe that they're worthless. They don't want to believe that sex is the only valuable thing they have to offer. It's just the thing that they have come to believe. So if you will spend the time getting them to, to see the lie. I mean, that's just seeing the lie because they've never stopped to think, oh, I think I'm believing a lie about myself. If you spend the time getting them to see the lie, they are going to be open to you having an answer to that. Yeah, and I, I can totally see that um, playing out. And so much of that happens not only in the counseling office, but just in the context of life within the home. Yes, you know, yes. Just the, the natural kind of exchanges that house parents or house staff have with the moms, too, I, I could see. We kind of want to bathe her in all of that, the positivity, and we want her to, but but somehow there's that, that difference that she has to accept it. She has to, you know, as much as we say positive things or we encourage her, there's it's that heart transformation that's the hardest component. Um, and it, and I, I definitely hear you saying that she wants that and it'll happen if you just believe and trust and keep at it, that, that, that it can happen. Are there any things to make that heart transformation easier or things that we need to be aware of, things we can do in our homes where it's not just voices that are coming at her, but something that she actually comes to believe? Right. Well, first, let let me, um, I just want to clarify something in your statement. Every girl is not going to want what you have to offer. Yeah. No, um, that's, that's very hard. 
that was so hard for me to receive because I'm offering these girls freedom, you know, and so hard for me to, to receive that some people don't want that. But I walked away from a situation many years ago where I was offering a girl something to come to my house and I was going to give her like she had nothing and she turned me down and I thought, what? And I was talking to the Lord about that on the way home and he's like, Cynthia, everybody didn't want what I have to offer. They're not going to all want what you have to offer. Yeah. And that really put it in context. So let me say this. Every girl won't want it. And you cannot want something for her more than she wants for herself. Okay. So a lot of times we set ourselves up to be completely disappointed, disheartened. Um, we get burnt out. We just have had enough because we give so much out and, and nobody wants it, it feels like. But the truth is, you pour out the overflow of what God pours into you. And if you're not doing that, that's your first struggle. Fill up yourself first. And that way, whatever you pour out to, to our residents, to your, your coworkers, your staff, whatever, that's the overflow. So they're not actually taking and sucking it out of you, right? Um, they... Uh Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Oh, I was just going to say how true that is, you know, I, and I know conferences and just chances to, to just reflect on that. You know, that was a real theme for me coming out of the conference was the need for rest and renewal and to have that so much a part of the rhythm of your life that, that, um, mm. yeah. So yeah, definitely that, that theme of overflow, I, I hear a lot amongst our housing world, especially now mm. when uh, things are a bit burdensome. And, and that kind of segues into your question. So, so what kind of things can we do um, for, for our residents, but this can also be for staff, just to keep her in the, um, let's say, I don't even know, um, so that your atmosphere kind of helps her get where she needs to be and help us stay where we need to be. And, you know, there's just so much creativity out there. Uh, we, we have these little, um, you can call them retreats, uh, that our house mom set up for, uh, our girls where they can just take a whole day. They do not speak. Hmm. Now, look, this is this, when, when she told me this, I got to tell you, my, the counselor in me said, Oh, we're going to have some mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it goes back to we want the Holy Spirit to do what he's going to do. We can't fix anybody. All we can do is give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to maybe use a tool we have or a word we say or, you know, an opportunity to pour into her. But but God's going to do all the fixing. So she, she they have an opportunity to do this little. It's one day and it's for however long. It's completely up to the resident. But. Um, they don't speak. Um, when we see them in the hallway, we hug them. We don't speak very hard, uh, especially for me. I love to talk and, uh, they go out and they have some prayer cards and different. We have a, an incredible prayer room they can go to and they can listen to music and they're just really just them and the Lord for whatever time that day that they set apart for that. Um, amazing, amazing. And, and you can't worry about, is she talking to the Lord the whole time she's not talking to us? You can't worry about that. And you can't worry about, uh, 
whether she's doing what, what we're telling her to do. It's just not about that. It's about giving her the opportunity to be quiet and be alone. Now, she doesn't have her phone. That's a biggie. That's a big deal during that. Uh, but that's one thing. We also have um, different times that we all meet so that she can have say, so she can share her heart. It might be good. It might be bad. Um, I have a young lady that calls me pretty regular right now, and she's in a, a non-resident program we have with parenting classes, and um, she's precious, and she had called me, and she's talked to me. She's, got, she's just really fearful on that moment. I'm talking her through it when my director comes in and I hang up with her and we go on about our business. Well, I was in a meeting where I'm sharing that program with our board. And, and I said, uh, one of the girls in our program just got off the phone with me. And one of the things I love about this program is it helps me touch these girls, even if they're not in our residential program. And I said, you know, I just had a young lady call me because she just needed to download her fear. She just needed to do that. And she just needed somebody to say, this is this and that is that and you're okay. And she was fine. And my director said this, that girl is the only girl we've had at Heart of Hope that hated Cynthia. <laughs> and that's exactly right. I mean, that girl, she, I touched some of her sore places and she didn't, was not having it. Right. And so she was one of those that did not want anything that we had to offer, nothing. And so she left. But you know what? She she came back in another way. And so we're able to touch her and, and serve her and still pour into her in where she's able to receive it. And that's okay. In fact, I happen to love that part of this job. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. We're almost to time, Cynthia. Um, I guess, is there anything as you think about kind of your work and your work of really trying to kind of the messages that the mom is, has, um, is thinking about herself and trans transform those, any um, kind of closing thoughts or just things that you wish you had the chance to say that you didn't get a chance? I would like to maybe close the same way I closed in the workshop. And that is to remind you that, you have a weapon, and it's a powerful weapon. It is the sword. And if you don't know what a sword is, and I, I was able to pull one out, and you, it's so cool to be able to see it. I am five foot tall, and it's taller than me. It is heavy, and it's hard to, to yield. But we have to do that, and we have to remember that it is the Word of God that is powerful, not the Word of Cynthia. So it's okay for me to tell her, I know you're beautiful, but it's a whole nother thing to say, God said he made you beautiful. So we got to remember to use God's words when we can, because that's where the power is. Oh, wow. That is a great reminder. Yeah. I love the, the not the word of Cynthia, the word of God, right? So That's and right. Not that I think we, we all want that, right? We all want to, but we somehow think that we have to bring about the change. And I just heard your constant reminder throughout this discussion of that the Lord brings about the change, you know, and, and to have to kind of return to that again and again. So mm -hmm. um, Thank you so much for the witness of your life, the work that you do, kind of being willing to share it with others. Um, we're super grateful for that uh, and super grateful for all the lives that you have touched um, and to, to be encouraged and renewed by your by your thoughts today. So definitely grateful for it. Podcast listeners, we will catch you next time. Um, but until then, enjoy uh, and blessings upon your good work. <laughs>